Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us today. I know you guys are out celebrating uh, Thanksgiving. Maybe some of you are listening to this while you're kind of finishing up your Black Friday shopping, if that is your thing. Um, but joining me today is my co-host, Micah Current. Micah, are you going to be going Black Friday shopping this week? No. Well, maybe. Um, the... The funny thing is we went to the grocery store, I think last Friday, Thursday or Friday, and my wife and I were going through the line and um, we asked the cashier if they were ready for, for Black Friday. And the cashier was like, yeah, but it's not going to be really that bad this year. And and um, my wife was like, why? And um, the cash the cashier was like, Walmart's doing this thing this year where they're doing sales every single week leading up to Black Friday and then leading up to Christmas. So they're like letting stuff out a little bit at a time. They'll have stuff on you know, Black Friday itself, but they'll, um, like the weeks leading up to Thanksgiving and the weeks leading up to Christmas, they're spreading it out now, which I think is a cool concept rather than, you know, I had friends who would stand in line to get the the newest iPad and they would stand there for like three hours in line at Walmart or get the biggest TV for the TV deals Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, I do, uh, or I did notice that they have a lot of TVs on sale right now. And then like, you know, like when you go to Walmart or Target where they have like the, the Blu-rays and the DVDs and stuff on sale, they're like demo versions or they're like um, promo versions and they mm-hmm. mark them down to like five bucks, six bucks, seven bucks. They already had those out at Walmart. So I grabbed a couple the other day just because, you know, I don't have them in my collection. But yeah, I, I don't know if we're going to go or not. We usually do. We just like more so we just grab a cup of coffee and we watch how the crazy people act. But I think in the last couple of years, it's not been as bad. So, yeah, and I and, and I want to know if with COVID that kind of whole changed everything because they were able to say, hey, you know, you couldn't do Black Friday in 2020. You know, you weren't doing that. So a lot of it was just and especially I think with the rise of online. Yeah, I was going to say Amazon, man, we can get stuff the next day. Then why bother? Yeah, if you can or yeah, if you can or even like a lot of times you can <clears throat> put something in your cart and sometimes they'll hold the price in there until you're ready to buy it or sometimes they have some type of or even some other companies like oh add it to your wish list on black friday and you can pay to say you can pay the same price like later on if you want it so it's kind of like a well so it's more of like we're going to reward you for using our interface so then that way you can still get a black friday discount on something that you didn't buy on black friday so well not i think having it what's that go ahead no, go ahead. No, no. I was, was going to say, not to mention, you can, on Amazon now, you can, and I know you, this last couple of years, but you can buy a present. So if I wanted to buy you and Laura a present, I could, uh, you know, get you the, I don't know, the special anniversary of Harry Potter on Blu-ray and I could get it sent to your house in a wrap, like they can wrap it for you and they'll box it for you. And they'll say to Scott from like a, to Scott and Laura from like and Alicia. And like, they'll do all the hard work for you. You literally just have to add the cart and purchase. Like, yeah, exactly. why would I want to leave my house? <laughs> Yeah, like why? And, and again, why would you? Especially if you hate rapping and you're not good at rapping, then you know that's the way to go. Yeah. So I know we've talked about weird news segments or weird things that happened this day, but we've called them unusual circumstances. So, Micah, um, any unusual circumstances this week? Well, I have two, and I. And I oh think I boy! You. So if you don't have this one, is a I special have special anniversary edition of the Scott Simmons podcast. Micah has two. <laughs> Unusual circumstances to talk about this week. And I uh and I remember them. So, you know, like when we text about it, you're like, I have I have like 10 and, and I'm like I don't have any. Or you have 10 and I can't remember a single one. So yeah, it's good. Um so the two stories. One, um more uh kind of a I, I would say unusual circumstance, but uh the community that I live in has a, I'm a group of, I'm a part of a group of pastors in the community called the EMA or Edgewood Ministerial Association. And they just do, um, they meet once a month and then they do outreach for the community with like backpack programs or Christmas carols, or they do a community Christmas service or Thanksgiving service and so on and so forth. And they'll uh, do food pantries and, you know, the, the different pastors from different churches get together once a month and they just talk about, the community and how they can make it better, which I think is really good. And um, they do a great job, but every year they have a community Thanksgiving service. And so last year I led worship for that community Thanksgiving service. And then I got asked to do it again this year. 
And so yesterday was was the uh, the community Thanksgiving service for um, the community of Trenton where we live, and um, the service started at six o'clock. And I walked in and I I brought my guitar, I brought you know a microphone and a, a stand and all that stuff. And so Alicia came with me and helped me set all that up. And um, I was going to play with some tracks and um, the. Uh, I plugged my stuff in, did a sound check and a mic check and all that stuff. And, and everything sounded great. Everything was good. And um, they meet at the high school. Like, I feel like that, that was like a kind of a middle ground for folks to to come together. And it's not one church or the other. But I kind of asked Alicia after we were done. I'm like, why don't we just do that at a church and rotate the church every year and have a church hosted? That was just an idea that I had. Um, but anyway, I did a sound check, did a rehearsal, went over the slides with the tech and everything was good. And uh, Pastor Ron, who's a pastor here in the community, got up to welcome everybody. He's the president of the EMA Association, and he got up to welcome everybody. And the mic on the podium didn't work. It just nothing like it. it he, he could. So it stopped working. Um, and one of the guys that was running stuff and helped set up things uh, gave him a wireless mic that actually worked, which is fine. No issues. Um but he looked at me when he walked off the stage. He's like, I don't know if your guitar is going to work. I don't know if your microphone is going to work. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with that information here and now? <laughs> so um, I get up. Sure enough, my microphone doesn't work. My guitar doesn't work. And so uh-huh. basically, I led worship with a wireless microphone and an acoustic guitar that didn't have any audio coming out of it. So that's weird story number one. Um <laughs> it's just one of those things where like in the moment you can't fix it and can't troubleshoot it. And especially in a venue that you're not used to. Um, and they have this portable soundboard. It looks like it's, you know, 20 years old. It's, uh, you know, so God only knows, you know, how it's wired and, and configured. And so anyway, that was weird story. Number one, weird story. Number two, um, I shared last week in our mental health episode that we, um, we're kind of in a season of transition and that we were going to go visit churches and things like that. And so um, I texted a pastor friend of mine Saturday night and said, Hey, are you preaching tomorrow? You know, at his church. And I said, what time are your services? And he said, you know, yeah, for sure. Love to have you nine 45 and 11 or uh, nine and ten forty-five, something like that. I don't remember the service times to be exact, but um a little bit of backstory, and I'm not going to name the church for for very for for obvious reasons. But years ago, this church used to be Church of God Anderson, which is what you and I are affiliated with, Scott, like with our ordination. Mm-hmm. And um, the pastor was ordained in the Church of God, and about ten or eleven years ago, he felt led to split from the Church of God Anderson and go on a more a uh, more non denominational approach which we can have a whole separate podcast about church of God and movement versus non-denominational versus whatever. But anyway, um, years ago I did an internship at this school for my seminary uh, schooling. And so um, have some ties there, have some connections there, but I haven't been there in over a decade. And so um, back then when it was a church of God, Anderson church, they were lucky to run 150 on the weekend. They were, they were lucky to run that. So we get up to, to, to where the church is yesterday and we pull into the parking lot. There's not a single spot in the parking lot. Mm. And we get to um, the one side of the parking lot, which they've done a building addition onto this building, but we go around the parking lot because they've extended it. There's no parking. There's no parking. The only parking spot in the entire parking lot, Scott, is the guest parking spot. And Alicia looks at me and she's like, we're guests today. So park there. And so, of course, we park there and we walk in and um, it's it was like one of the most. I don't know what the word I would use is, but like it was very inspiring, right? Because this church has went from being Church of God to a non-denominational with a Southern Baptist kind of ideology and theology background. Mm. And they they are running six to seven hundred on the weekend now. And so we went into this this church yesterday and they were like scooting us in because there weren't enough seats for the second service. And that they said it's like that for first service and second service. They run about their venue holds about 350 
And so they'll have 350 first service, 350, 375 second service. And that's not including all the kids that are not, you know, in the room because they're in, in children's ministry. Um, I spoke with the pastor after, you know, we got to catch up a little bit and he was like, hey, I'd love to get coffee with you in a couple of weeks. But he said, God has just been so faithful to us and God has just blessed us. And I told him it took a lot of courage to just do what he felt led to do in, in reference to breaking off of the church of God and, and surrendering his credentials and going a completely different direction to which God, he felt God was leading him. He also told me, in addition to their church running 700 people on the weekend, that they planted the church last week, not last week, but last year. Um, and um, they're really into church health and church revitalization. And so what they've done is they've taken a hundred of their people and sent them to this other church and basically planted and replanted the church in the community where they live to help a church and regrow that church. And it's not, um, it's not a, satellite campus of this church it's just another church that they've helped like you know how mega churches do it like elevation for example is like there's elevation charlotte and there's elevation orlando and this Brooklyn, church is yeah. like yeah yeah so this church is you know the name of this church plus the church that they've went to help revitalize and plants they they just keep the name of that church but they take their people they adopt their ideology their theology and they partner with this church mm. he said that they're also um, in the process of planning another one. He's like, that's their hope and their goal and their prayer is to just plant churches and help them heal, help them restore the, you know, what it used to be and and just move forward with ministry and partner alongside them instead of being a quote unquote mega church, which I thought was an amazing um, philosophy um, mm -hmm. instead of just, you know, having Scott Stedman North Campus, Scott Stedman, you know, South Campus and so on and so forth. But like, he said that, you know, God has been so faithful and blessed us, but like, it's, it was just incredible to sit in that service. And it was like, I don't remember the last time I went to church where I was told to scoot over because there wasn't enough seats. Right. And exactly. so like, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, they'll be the first to tell you that, you know, I don't know what we're doing that, that attracts this many people, but it, it's working. Whatever we're doing obviously is working. And I will say that it was more of a, it felt very, uh, Southern Baptist, in the in the sense of it was it was not traditional worship, but there was a lot of liturgy. There was a lot of um, you know they they had a guy come up and and do announcements and pray, and then they did two songs, and then they shared a quick. They did like corporate prayer, and then they had somebody else come up and do a scripture reading for the sermon text. They did one more song of worship, prayed. Pastor came up and preached like a forty five minute message. And then they did a, like a response song. They did a benediction and they sent you on your way. And it was just like, there wasn't nothing like special to it either. There wasn't like all these glamorous lights. There wasn't like a mm -hmm. haze machine. There wasn't, you know, but the place was packed. And, you know, in addition to running 700 between two services, planning a church of a hundred, getting ready to plan a church of another, you know, another church of a hundred, like you're looking at like anywhere from 700 to a thousand people on on any given weekend, which is just astonishing to me because 10 years ago, that church couldn't break 150. So yeah. mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a weird story, but that was just, it's no, it's interesting. And I think that's interesting because you have to look at, um, infrastructure, have... some infrastructure, but then also at the same time, you know, the, you're always pushed. That's the thing. You go to any of these conferences or you go to these leadership conferences and it's always about trying to do the next big attractive thing. Mm -hmm. you know oh you got to do this or try to do this or try to do that which you know in some cases it's like you know i've been to those conferences sometimes like okay that's good information to help and then there's other times where it's like yeah but i don't have the tools or the equipment or the resources to be able to do that in my small church that's not no. that's not going to work um and i think the other thing with non-denominationalism is sometimes it's like you know doing it right because there's sometimes where people do like even, you know, we've mentioned Steve Roby on the show before, but even though technically Water's Edge is a church of God church, they always list themselves as non-denominational. They don't have anything that says they're a church of God any in, in any of their literature, because especially in the South, you say you're a church of God. They think you're the crazy the Cleveland Tennessee tongues people, the Cleveland and not necessarily. So 
and I mean, I've had those issues. Ian, I've had those issues in Ohio where I was looking for a worship leader and I put an ad out and someone came back and and he even said like, oh yeah, you're, 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 he's like, oh, just one real quick. You're the church of God that does the whole speaking in tongues thing, right? And I said, no, we're, we're the other one. And then never heard from that person again. Like, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, so it's one of those things where even like within denominations, sometimes there's could be a sticking point to it. And I think well, even just, I was going to say too, to add to that, Scott, like the, the difference in, in Jordan Halstead, you know, our friend Jordan has had this conversation with me n- numerous times, but like, there's this, this preconceived notion that the church of God is non-denominational. And there's, there's a little bit of confusion where they call us a movement. Right. And there's this movement versus non-denominational and people really don't know. So when you have that conversation with a potential worship leader, they don't know how to respond to that because they don't know the identity of what the church of God is and what they actually stand for. Yeah. And I think the other thing you said in your thing that's interesting too, is that instead of like planning churches, they're going to do other churches to kind of do revitalization, which Years ago, when I was still in Ohio, I was very strong in pushing revitalization, especially when I'm seeing churches, smaller churches, that A, have some good bones, have good locations, has a good location, has the potential for growth. And even, you know, not that this is a a sticking point or thing, but actually are faithfully contributing to Ohio Ministries. And yet it seems like the whole church planning idea is, well, if you have this smaller church, we want to make sure that their deeds condition to us so that when they do decide to close their doors, we get the money in the sale of the property. So then we can use that money to go plant another church that may or may not happen. Whereas some of these churches that really, if they had like a, if they had like resources to do this one thing, then they could really blow up but you know it's it's almost like well we want you to die so we can build something else instead of hey why don't we try to send some people send some resources send some wisdom to this place and watch it kind of revitalized and that's kind of you know for so i mean i've i've always been against church planning for years so it's no surprise that i'm still kind of like that as well and and this isn't like a criticism of, of the church of God, but it's like, do you think that they're not open to that kind of an idea? I, you know what? I think, so. I mean, I think now some of them are because especially they're seeing some works, like especially at GA, um, you know, they had Dan Turner speak and he's someone who like, literally we have this church. We're going to shut it down. We're going to say we're done. It's going to release everybody that they had no commitment or contract to the church. And then they were doing preview days and they're, they're still in the same space. They're just now going to kind of do a revitalization within their own space and try to like really revitalize some stuff. And it worked and they were, and they were growing and booming and being very effective and especially reaching out to a lot of diverse neighborhoods. So they had a lot more diversity and representation within their own congregation on a Sunday morning. So I think in some ways the church of God probably bought into the whole church plant, church plant, church plant thing, because that's what's going to help grow churches. And what they're finding out is a that's no guarantee that'll work. Yeah, there is no guarantee that'll work. Yeah, I mean you hope you have the right person because they took this test and they scored high on this test. And Mm -hmm. you're like, oh yeah, this is going to be a good church planner. But I mean I know some church planners who we're very excited about church planning. Did it for probably about maybe five, maybe at max ten years, and now they're not doing it anymore. Well, it's hard because you got to rent a space if you don't have a building. You've got to set up. You got to tear down. You got to know all the audio, video, and lighting. You have to yeah. make a space look like a church. You have to recruit volunteers that are going to be dedicated to serving every single week. Set up and tear down just becomes super draining on volunteers. Unless you have like I don't care if you have the best volunteers on the planet, but mm-hmm. like you know, setting up a hundred chairs and then you got to go out and recruit. You got to go out and market. You got to go out and do all these things. And it's more than just sticking an A-frame out on the road saying, Hey, we have church, right? Like there is just, and that's like, there's another preconceived notion that that's this. Now people are just going to show up, right? Like they're, um, you know, uh, 
Jordan was telling me a number of months ago that, you know, that Ohio Ministries was really trying to push that, that they wanted to plant churches and then they wanted to plant churches. And it's like, but you have all these churches in Ohio that, and Ohio used to be, I think, the second largest or the largest uh, state for Church of God churches in the nation in, in reference to number of congregations. And at one point, I think we had over 100 congregations in Ohio. And the the idea of, hey, let's go plant 50 churches in the next five years instead of saving or go revitalizing you know, or offering restoration towards the churches that are struggling right now, what are you going to do? Just let those churches die out? To me, Scott, it seems kind of passive. It seems kind of passive to deal with the churches that are having those issues. Does that make sense? It, it does. I think in some ways it does because um, because if you're going to do revitalization, it's not just sending money and resources to help them. It's like deal. You have you to, have to go in and you have to work it out. You have to work it out. There may be some like there may be some reconciliation things that have to happen. There could be some wounded history in that church that really needs to be healed. And that takes a lot of work. So it's almost like, well, what's going to be, and it's going to take time too. So the fact that, so the fact that a, you know, and I'm thinking, I'm just going to use Ohio as an example, because we have our main hub, but then we have five districts. Mm -hmm. So if I'm the main, so if I'm the, you know, if I'm the general director of Ohio Ministries and I want to do this more revitalization thing, not only do I have to train people within each of the districts to be able to do this type of work and do it effectively, but then I have to make sure that when they're going into these spaces, are these churches really open to wanting to change, wanting to be transformed, willing to work out and really kind of shed a light on some of the woundedness in their church and kind of talk about it and repent from it or even be reconciled from it, depending on what the situation is and do it. And that probably takes, and and again, that's going to take a lot of work on the higher ups as opposed to here's this person, here's this pastor who's passionate about church planning. Okay. We're going to give you some, we're going to throw some money your way, go plant a church in Trenton. That's the and last then, thing that needs to happen right now. Yeah, go put, plant a church in Trenton, and we're gonna and we're gonna do like a pay scale thing. So we're gonna, you know, you know, we're gonna help you th- with this percentage of money. You have to raise this percent of money, and then over time, over a period of five years, you should be self sustaining. Well, my wife and I go into the coffee shop in our town, and we love it. Um, and a couple of months ago, we walked like you going in order. You go down the thing, you get your drink. We went down the thing. There was a card that says new church coming soon. And we walked out and we're like, where's the church going to be? And it's going to be like right on the outskirts of town. We counted the number number of churches, Scott, in where we live. And there's like 13 churches. We're not a, we're not a large community. We're like a, we're like the stereotypical Hallmark movie, small town, right? Like where everybody knows everybody, everybody goes to high school here. Everybody goes to college at Miami and they come back to Trenton. And it's like, you know, everybody knows everybody. Right. And so like, the last thing we need is a 13th church because <laughs> there's not enough churches to go to, but like it, it's, yeah. it blows my mind. It blows my mind. Really the start, the strategy behind, you know, the idea of church planning versus, you mm-hmm. know, fixing some of the churches that are like what I said just a few minutes ago, it may or may not work. Right. I could go in and, uh, or I could go plant a church and it may or may not work. But like also on the other side of that, if I go in to help a church that doesn't want to get help, like, they could just close their doors too. So there's no guarantee guarantee either way that that, mm-hmm. that idea is going to work. And it's, it's, it's stressful to me to think, and you, you shared that you don't like the idea of church planning, but like, why not go out, you know, go help the churches that, um, that are struggling, right. That are even associated with a, with a movement or a denomination or, you know, and I've shared it in other episodes on this show that like you drive down the street in this community where I live and in 10 years, if people don't change course, there's not going to be a church. Because they're all going to die, and there's not going to be anything left to support that ministry, which is sad. Yeah. It really is. But like, you know, the Presbyterian Church, the, the, the Presbyterian Church at large is what I mean, isn't coming down, uh, you know, into our community and saying, "Hey, this is what you can do better." The Methodist Church is, you know, the same thing with Methodist or Presbyterian or the Baptist or whatever, right? And so it's, um, it's really frustrating because like I'm sitting here like. I'm only one person, you're only one person. And it's like, you can only do so much and you can only offer so much input, but it's like, 
Um, yeah, I just, I really struggle with that idea. But to me, back to the conversation of just going to this church yesterday and seeing how much it's grown and flourished because they truly believed and prayed and sought what they thought God was doing for that ministry. It's amazing to see how much it's grown, um, you know, to a church. And that, I guess that poses a separate question, you know, some, you know, people that are older than us uh, in pastoral roles would, would shun that or disagree with that, or basically, you know, throw them, you know, throw them out, throw them to the outside or they're an outsider now because they've, you know, they're not, well, they've decided that they weren't going to be church of God anymore, but yet God's continued to bless them. Right. So where's that, like, where's that disconnect, Scott? Like they, they, they truly believe that that was what God was telling them to do. And obviously it's working because they're running 700 people. Well, it's probably because D.S. Warner was right. You know, denominationalism is evil. And -hmm. when the Church of God became a denomination. (laughs) It wouldn't be a Scott Stebbin podcast if you didn't bring in D.S. Warner. Exactly. (laughs) Got to bring that guy in. Hey, I have have several of his books. uh, uh, I haven't read it in a long time. Have you ever read The Cleansing of the Sanctuary? I have not read that one. It's a good one. It's a DS Warner book. All right, I gotta, I gotta check that one out. I could probably find it's probably like I found a lot of his books for free now on like these like public domain sites because they're so old. So now that we've um, ranted for forty minutes about uh, <laughs> my uh, experience at church yesterday, post serving. Um, do you have a weird story or experience from yesterday? Yes, I do. Or this and week, to, it was this past weekend. So. Uh, this weekend, I went back to Virginia to move my wife. She's done with her student teaching. She just has to like write a paper, and then she's done with her semester, and then she'll get her license and and all that good stuff. So, which I excited. have, I have to present my project for my class, and then I'm done. I don't know where you are with your coursework, but I don't think you've shared for a while. But I, I, still I have, have, I have to, to write. Present. I still have to write my 20 page paper, and I think I only got. I haven't had time to do it because of everything else. So, I'm. Uh, going to be cracking on it this week um but no um so that's fine so we, we kind of packed up some stuff friday and then usually we try to pack up everything the night before and then we leave early morning the next day well we got back from dinner and laura's just like you know i'm really tired i just don't want to pack anymore i'm like okay you know because she had a long day at school she was actually working at school that was her final day so it's like okay so you know, she kind of went and laid down. I was just doing some cleaning and stuff and not trying to be too loud um, in the apartment. Um, then we had to go. We need a screwdriver. So I had to go to Lowe's. So Saturday morning, I go to Lowe's at like six o'clock in the morning, get to Lowe's, buy a screwdriver, come back. As I'm coming back, I see a uh, Augusta County Sheriff's officer coming down and he's now diverting traffic off of 81 interstate 81. I'm like, uh Oh, there must be a bad accident on 81 South somewhere. Cause if they have to divert traffic off of the interstate, you know, something bad's happened. Go back, start packing. It's about 10 o'clock by the time we finally turn the keys in everything else. And we're leaving, get on 64. We're about to approach 81 and we're seeing signs like, Oh, accident up ahead. I'm like, Oh, that would happen at six o'clock. That's probably past now. Next thing you know, we're now being diverted to go up on 81 North. I'm like, okay. And then we get off. So finally, I told Laura, it's like, hey, let's get to 11. And let's just take 11 down to 64. Still have no clue because I'm not like intentionally like looking to figure out what the heck happened on this highway. It wasn't until we got towards the Ohio River when we're about to cross to Ohio. Like four, you know, at this point, it's like one, two o'clock in the afternoon. I just happened to pull up Facebook, and sure enough, I see someone posted something on what happened. So what happened was is semi-tractor trailers driving on 64, about to merge onto 81 South. Something must have happened because he goes off the guardrail, lands down onto 81 North Brown. There's a pickup truck that was going, and this tractor trailer lands on top of this pickup truck. So the driver died instantly. The, The two in the tractor trailer... In critical condition. The tractor trailer was carrying chicken waste. And it spread all over the highway. And there's two more accidents for people slipping in the chicken waste on the highway. So that's why it took so long. 
but the so that was so and it was weird because laura's like you know that could have been us if we would have got up early and drove we could have been very likely we could have been in that so you know we kind of thought like man you know every day's kind of a gift also the smell oh yeah and, and see, and that's where I was going to get to, because when I would tell that story, I would either have two reactions, either A, like, oh, my gosh, that's so tragic. And, oh, that's so awful. And then or it's kind of like laughter because of the chicken waste part. Like one guy at church, when I told the guy at church this, he said, it's kind of like the Back to the Future when Biff and his gang would always slide into the cow manure. Yes. It's like it's like the death of chicken waste. I'm thinking... Oh my gosh. Like, so there's always like tragedy and comedy all mixed in with that story. So that was kind of my unusual circumstance uh, mm. uh, this weekend. But granted, we made it back safely. We got everything unpacked and unloaded. And, and yeah. And now just kind of getting stuff ready for the Advent season, which is uh, where we're taking our podcast today. So, which is all the more reason for you to get out of Virginia. Why? Because they don't celebrate Advent in Virginia. <laughs> no, no, no. I was saying because of all the the crazy traffic and the the accidents and stuff. Yeah, and that's the thing. And I even I even told Lords like I don't know what's worse because I had to get my kids to um, my son to basketball after I took my daughter to swim lessons last Tuesday, and I was in a crawl on six seventy to just get over to the other side of Columbus, and it took me thirty minutes, which should have took ten minutes. And I'm like, I don't know what's worse, just being stopped in traffic and not moving on 81 when there's an accident or just doing a slow crawl. And actually experiencing both, I realize, yeah, I, I'd rather do the slow crawl and going 20 miles per hour on 670 than being parked on 81 just sitting there because you can't move. Yeah, so... So, Michael, you talked about wanting to talk discuss about Advent and and all that stuff. So, I will let you take it away. Well, what are your thoughts on the Advent season in churches? Like, are you like what do you, what do you remember growing so, up like uh, doing in a church as far as Advent was concerned? So, I don't remember. You know, again, when I started going to church, it was like in the Nazarene tradition before my family mm-hmm. left the church and then went to the Church of God. Um, I don't really remember too much about Advent season in the Nazarene church, but I do remember a lot in the Church of God. And I, all I, the only thing I, I, I vaguely remember as a kid was basically you had some families read a passage, they light a candle, and that was pretty much it. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then you had a Christmas Eve service and you do some type of candle lighting thing and that was it. Like, so I don't, so that was pretty much what Advent was as I started pastoring and started going into the Advent season, you know, in some ways, especially as a new pastor, it was always great that you, um, that the church of God, especially the the women of the church of God would always have this Advent material stuff that you could look at and you can, you know, kind of help you navigate through the Advent season, kind of give you a theme. And so that's been very helpful, especially for someone who's just kind of starting out and then even like the devotionals that they would put out too. So Advent kind of became more important to me as far as how I would lead Advent. And um, I think in a way it kind of prepares um, you know, it's good to kind of prepare the congregation for the coming of Christ, which is kind of what Advent means. It means coming. Um, mm-hmm. but then, you know, as I look deeper into Advent, it's, it's, it's fascinating that when you look at the history of Advent, that Advent originally was supposed to be a mere reflection of Lent. Like it was just supposed to be a season of fasting before Christmas. So the fact that now it's not, it's more of like a more intentional, movement to get people starting from the first day of advent to the christmas eve service to kind of anticipate the coming of jesus christ and into our world and kind of that um that spiritualness which i which i which i which i like to do and like like to be a part of Mm -hmm. um i guess the reason i ask is because like i've seen it done a number of ways right like when i was a kid i remember my dad doing the the hanging of the green service where like they would put a Christmas tree in the sanctuary and there wasn't like anything on it. And so they would have readings and 
people hang stuff and you know ornaments meant certain things and of course the advent calendar like not calendar advent candles were in the sanctuary and each week a family would share in the reading they would light a candle you know each candle represented something um hope peace love and joy you had the three purple candles one pink candle um and then you had the christ candle which i think was was there was there one in the middle which is like the christ candle which was like white yeah the christ candle is white and then there's the candle of hope the candle of peace the candle of love joy and joy but like there were three purples one pink and one white which was the jesus candle yeah the jesus and yeah (laughs) yes the jesus candle the light of the world he's the light of the world i think that's what it kind of represented um or the coming light of the world and um a lot of churches uh, took that super seriously, but as I've gotten older, Scott, I think um, some churches are really into it, and then some churches don't do it, um, or they do it differently. They don't do readings. They don't do. Um, I know one year a church I used to work at, we did videos, and we had staff share, you know, the meaning of hope, like do a like a ninety minute promo video, the meaning of hope, the meaning of peace, the meaning of love, the meaning of joy. You know, leading up to Christmas, we didn't do the candles, um, but we decorated the church. So mm-hmm. um, do you have an opinion on, like, I think that was an, in an effort to make it more modern versus like, because sometimes, Scott, it looks super cheesy. And then some people, like we've talked about it in other episodes, but some people aren't super comfortable with public speaking. Um, so if you get a family up there to do a reading that, you know, and they're holding the microphone down here instead of like up to their chin. Yeah. And, you know, they're not used to reading or they're, they're a young family in the church and they got two kids that are screaming and crying the whole time when you're <laughs> trying to do the reading and it becomes super cringy and awkward. So the video idea is to kind of, um, you know, I guess, A, modernize it and B, you can do a lot in post-production where, whereas you can't do that live in a live setting. So um, yeah. what, what's your thought on that? Uh, I, I mean, I think it's, I mean... I think it depends on on the nature, and I think it depends on the culture too of a particular congregation. In some ways, I like having the people up there to read, and sometimes I do like the, you know, the kids kind of like sticking their tongue out and making the faces because even though it's kind of taken distracting from what's being read, at least it kind of shows a more of a genuineness of, you know, we're not coming to Christ, you know. We're not anticipating Christ coming to us as these perfect human beings. You know, we mm-hmm. have our flaws. We have our our intricacies. We have our times where, you know, sometimes we have these intricacies where church is kind of boring and we don't want to be in there, you know, or or for whatever the case may be. Um, at the same time, I also think just having the videos do kind of work good because a lot of times, and I mean, I was in charge of kind of getting all the Advent readers for church. For, for both our services. And a lot of times it's just like trying to find a date that people are not doing something. Mm-hmm. If they're not going out to traveling for Thanksgiving, if they're not, you know, if they, if kids get out of school early, depending on the school system, you know, they may be gone. So just trying to find people to read, which is hard, but if you can say, Hey, would you like to be a reader and we'll just record you and we're just going to play it as a video. Then you don't, then you don't have to worry about the time commitment or making sure someone's there. Or if someone doesn't show up on Sunday, it's like, okay, who's my backup? You know, I think in that way, the video component is nice because you then don't have to worry about any type of surprises that's going to happen, except for the media guy in the back accidentally not playing the video or the editor renders everything and doesn't check the video and there's no sound, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, one year, you know, so I guess the reason I ask is because some churches do it really, really well. And some churches kind of throw it together. And then I know church of God ministries again, that we, you know, you and I are affiliated with. Um, I think they offer, and you know, in the last 10 years or so, they've offered a book that goes along with yeah. Advent with the have which has devotionals, which has, you know, readings and stuff leading up to Christmas. And you can use that as kind of a a curriculum, if you will, for And now they um, started I know the the last couple of times they've actually had video. Okay. Where you could do video and I think they even had some stuff like if you can't find people to read, they just have like 
you know, one of the one of the higher ups for the um Christian Women Connection just kind of read it and do that or yeah. like or they sometimes they even give you a countdown video. They even tell you stuff for like worship ideas, especially for smaller churches that may not have a worship leader. It's like here's the link to the YouTube video that that has like the song and the words that kind of go across there. You could just play that in service and then, you know, and you can sing along and even broke it down between traditional services versus a more modern service. So they did it, I think over the last, I say over the last five years, they've really kind of made the um, Advent stuff that they have produced really, really good. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, if you don't like the theme, then, you know, that's one thing, but, (laughs) but. Well, and I was going to, I think no, I was going to kind of get to that too. Like, do you, you know, if you don't, you know, I, I, well, first let me say, you know, as the worship leader, you know, over the years, it's kind of been my responsibility to gather people, like you said, Scott, to, to do the readings. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, it just becomes a chore every year to like, Hey, can this family do it this week? And the same way, like, it's a huge puzzle to put together. And then what happens if they get sick and they don't show up Sunday morning, then you're scrambling to find somebody to do it. And then, um, you know, I, one year I did it where I pre-recorded everything and I made it videos and I just produced it myself and we had different families in the church, just read it. And I, I, you know, produced, edited it and, you know, we put a set together and it looked really cool. And we even had the children's ministry do it one year where it was like, um, we had our children's pastor or children's director or whatever, like have a group of kids, you know, the, you know, God of joy, it is your love. Like read, you know, read a read a passage that goes along with the theme of the week, like for joy, your love, or peace, or hope. And then um, I produced it, and it went over really well. The kids just, or the kids had fun, and then the 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 people in the in the service really enjoyed it because hey, we're getting to see our kids on the screen, and you know, it's really cool to see that happen. And so, um, back to the other, you know, what you were saying, Scott. Like, do you? you know, if you're not a huge fan of the the curriculum that Church God puts out or the United Methodist Church, whoever, you know, whoever's doing it, <clears throat> do you just write your own curriculum? And that's okay too. Yeah. Um, or, or I'm sure you could like go to like Life Church's website because Life Church is a big church in Oklahoma, but they all, they put all their content online for free as resources for other churches. So like, I'm sure they would have something, but like, um, yeah, there's a number of ways to approach it. What about... Uh, you know, speaking of worship, you were talking about that. Um, how do you feel about Christmas music during the Advent season leading up to Christmas? Like the approach that I've taken over the years is like, I'll do one Christmas song the first week, right after Thanksgiving, the second week, I'll add another, the third week. And so by the time we get to Christmas, we're doing a full worship set. So we're not doing all Christmas music. We're still doing contemporary worship or blended worship with the addition mm-hmm. of Christmas music moving forward. And so by the time we get to Christmas Eve and our Christmas Eve services or Christmas Sunday, we have a culmination of songs that we can all do together. And it's more closer to Christmas than, Hey, we just got done with Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I, I I'm, I'm in that same mindset. Like when I would have to lead worship, I'd make sure, Hey, we're going to do one Christmas song. And, and I think I would increase like, or maybe I might do two Christmas songs, but we never would do a full, Christmas set until the Christmas Eve service. Mm-hmm. Or even if like like this year, you know, Christmas Eve is on a Saturday, Christmas Day is on a Sunday. So if you're a church that is having a Christmas Eve service and a Christmas Day service, you know, I would have Christmas songs those two days. Um but yeah, I, I and I don't and I mean I think sometimes that can kind of be a sticking point because I think there might be the expectation that, oh, we're in Advent season. We're just going to be singing Christmas music all the time. And for me, it's like, well, you want to build to something. For me, I'm all about building. So the fact that I can sing a couple Christmas songs on the first Sunday of Advent, uh, November 27th, to now I'm going to a full-blown Christmas set on December 24th. Um, you know, that for me, that's I think that's kind of something special. Yeah, I think at the risk of it being cheesy, like mm-hmm. I, I think it's such a special time of year. I think that it's it's hard to again to find volunteers to to want to to want to do that. And again, I don't think that there's no right or wrong way to do uh, do the Advent season. But like, 
I've noticed in the last couple of years uh, that churches aren't doing it as much. Like they're just kind of, well, here's another thing, Scott, what do you feel about um, writing a sermon series around the topics of Advent? Like we did one a couple of years ago at a church I uh, worked at and it was called like, um, gosh, what was it called? Um, More than a tree. And so, Mm -hmm. You know, we did a four-week series on Advent, but it was called More Than a Tree, and it was called, and the pastor kind of related, we got closer to to Christmas, and I think the, the last week it was like, that More Than a Tree, the wood from a tree became a cross that Jesus mm-hmm. was going to die for, and it wasn't it wasn't just that Jesus was born, Jesus was, you know, born for a reason, right? And yeah. Jesus is the reason for the season, and Jesus died for you, and you know, so on and so forth, leading up to the crucifixion. And it was it was a different approach, right? Because we don't um, we don't often talk about the crucifixion and stuff during Advent because we're we're celebrating his birth, not yeah, you know, you uh, know his death. Yeah, I I I I, I kind of have a sticking point with that in some ways because I think yeah. I think it's good that we have to tie in Jesus to, you know, the reason why he came to this earth. At the same time, I've seen some pastors who have taken that same concept, but then they go to Jesus was born to die. And I have an issue with that because it's like, well, Jesus was born to just die for our sins. Then what's the whole point of the gospels? I mean, why don't we just get to the point where Jesus is born? He died on the cross. I mean, there's a reason why we have the Sermon on the Mount. There's a reason why we have the miracle stories. There's a reason why Jesus handpicked the disciples and how Jesus was teaching them. There's reason why we get to see kind of the life of Jesus and ministry from him being born to him growing up to even him being crucified and even being resurrected and ascend into heaven. You know, there's all that stuff's important. So you know, for me, when it comes to Christmas, I mean, I think it, we don't have to stick to the let's talk about Mary. Let's talk about Joseph. Let's talk about the wise man. I think we can, you know, do things like, oh, more than just a tree and and do that sort of things. But I think we have to be careful that we just don't get to the proclaim the message that the only reason why Jesus came to this world was just to die for our sins and not really talk about the hope that he brings and the and how he brought hope, not through his death, but even through his life, how he brought a lot of hope and, and love and mercy and grace and forgiveness and reconciliation in his three years of ministry that we see recorded in the Gospels. Hmm. Yeah. Um, another series that uh, at another church I worked at was called How to Handle the Holidays. And holidays is spelled H-O-L-I-D-A-Z-E. And it was a picture of Santa Claus, like, passed out, like just being so over Christmas. And so, oh. um, and basically with well, DAZE and so Santa being passed out, my mind was going to a whole different place. The theme behind that, Scott, <laughs> was just how stressful holidays can be for families, yeah. and, you know, trying to balance, you know, family and work and making sure your kids are happy and, uh, that the holidays can be, be a lot for people. So, um, yeah. Um, I just want to do a quick conversation about Advent because like, you know, you were asking me if I had any topics and we hadn't talked about it at this point. And I know it's coming up soon because, you know, this week as we, we talked earlier, this week is Thanksgiving and we'll jump right into that season. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on Advent and, oh, yeah. you know, just to see, um, you know, what is your church planning on doing, you know, in the next couple of weeks, the one that you're yeah, at now? So, so, yeah, we have, so I think we, I mean, we're going to have readings. We're going to have um, the lighting of candles. Uh, we actually have three uh, Christmas Eve services. The first one's a family one, and that's where I'm working on doing a kid's nativity. So I've already written a script for the kid's nativity, uh, making a shooting schedule because it's all going to be filmed. And uh, on the back of a green screen, so then I can throw in like, you know, some cool backgrounds and stuff. And Are you gonna wear your some... green polo that you're wearing right now? No, I'm not. I'm actually actually the scenes that I'm in. 
I, I'm just I'm not going to be behind a green screen. I'm just going to be like in a study uh, reading reading the Christmas story. Um, but then we also going to have we actually partnered with our preschool group that meets at the church and we're going to have them participate with the kids at the church and kind of do a, a children's choir and they're going to sing like a couple of Christmas songs. So that's like first service. Second service is like a more of a traditional um, Christmas Eve service. And then our later one, which I think is at like seven, I think it's at like nine o'clock is more of like a more of a candlelight visual uh, Christmas Eve service. And then we're having Christmas Day service, a combined Christmas Day service at 10 o'clock on Sunday. And that's kind of our how they do things here so yeah so i get to participate in four services uh this year so uh my friends at crossing church in oklahoma they've in the past have done over 20 services on oh, wow christmas <laughs> it's because they have multiple campuses and yeah yeah so goodness I don't, I don't know what they're doing this year but yeah um anything else you want to share about advent or do you want to just kind of wrap it up yeah, I, I think we can wrap it up. And especially for those of you who are listening, like, let us know, like, what what are some of your tra- Advent traditions? It'd be good to see if they're similar, or if they're different. Um, even if you're a pastor and you're someone who maybe you're thinking, well, I want to write my own Advent stuff because I don't really like what my institution sends me. And so, you know, and kind of what are some of the success you've had with that, with writing your own Advent stuff or or even having a team do all that. So I think these are some uh, great topics, especially to get in the season, especially, um, you know, Advent season is kind of like the uh, Super Bowl of uh, of the church, both Easter and um, Advent season. So make sure you pace yourself, make sure you p- take plenty of time to have that time in the Lord and even take those sabbatical days to just kind of have that time of time of relaxation and stuff, because I know we can easily get swept in, not with the hustle and bustle of the holiday season with getting gifts and traveling and stuff, but also the hustle and bustle of trying to um, usher our people through the Advent season. So uh, I'm Scott and thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll bring back with you. We'll bring back. I can't even talk today and we'll be back with another episode next week. Take care, my friends. 